I guess we're doing package managers this week because today we're talking about a different package manager, Anaconda. I had a lot of personal experience with this one because back in 2014, Python was kind of unusable without Anaconda. Uh, there were just so many compatibility issues. People were trying to make the move prematurely with Python 3, but then also had some architecture issues. And Anaconda came in and solved all of that by having an opinionated stack. So um, I think it's a really good story. And basically, Peter Wang saves the Python. Can you speak about this problem that you stumbled into of <laughs> package management, Python package management? What is that? <laughs> uh, a lot of people speak very highly of Conda, which is part of Anaconda, mm -hmm. which is a package manager. There's a ton of packages. So first, what are package managers? And second, <laughs> what was there before? What is PIP? And mm -hmm. why is Conda more awesome? The package problem is this, which is that in order to do... um numerical computing efficiently with Python, there are a lot of low-level libraries that need to be compiled, compiled with a, a C compiler or a C++ compiler or Fortran compiler. They need to not just be compiled, but they need to be compiled with all of the right settings. And oftentimes those settings are tuned for specific chip architectures. And, and when you add GPUs to the mix, when you look at different uh, operating systems, you, know, you may be on the same chip, but if you're running Mac versus Linux versus Windows on the same x86 chip, you compile and link differently. Mm -hmm. All of this complexity is beyond the capability of most data scientists to reason about. And it's also beyond what most of the package developers want to deal with too. Yes, Because if you're a package developer, you're like, I code on Linux. This works for me. I'm good. It is not my problem to figure out how to build this on an ancient version of Windows, right? That's just simply not my problem. So what we end up with is we have a creator economy or create a, a very creative crowdsourced environment where people want to use this stuff, but they can't. And so we ended up creating a new set of technologies like a build recipe system, a build system, and an installer system that is able to, um, well, to put it simply, it's able to build these packages correctly on each of these different kinds of platforms and operating systems and make it so that when people want to install something, they, they can. It's just one command. They don't have to you know, set up a big compiler system and do all these things. So when it works well, it works great. Now, the difficulty is we have literally thousands of people writing code in the ecosystem, building all sorts of stuff. And each person writing code, they may take a dependency on something else. And so you have all this web, incredibly complex web of dependencies. So installing the correct package for any given set of packages you want. Getting the, that right subgraph is an incredibly hard problem. Uh, and again, most data scientists don't wanna think about this. They're like, I wanna install NumPy and Pandas. I want this version of some like geospatial library. I want this other thing. Like, why is this hard? These exist, right? Yes. And it, it is hard because it's, well, you're installing this on a, on a version of Windows, right? And half of these libraries are not built for Windows. Or the latest version isn't available, but the old version was. If you go to the old version of this library, that means you need to go to a different version of that library. And so the Python ecosystem, by, vir by virtue of being crowdsourced, we were able to fill 100,000 different niches. But then we also suffer this problem that because it's crowdsourced and no one, it's like a tragedy of the commons, right? No one really needs, wants to support their thousands of other dependencies. So we end up sort of having to do a lot of this. And of course, the Conda Forge community also steps up as an open source community that, you know, maintains some of these recipes. That's what Conda does. Now, PIP is a tool that came along after Conda to some extent. It, it came along as an easier way for the um, 
for the Python developers writing um, Python code that didn't have as much compiled you know, stuff, mm -hmm. they could then install different packages. And um, what ended up happening in the Python ecosystem was that a lot of the core Python and web Python developers, they never ran into any of this com compilation stuff at all. So even we have, you know, uh, uh, on video, we have uh, Guido, uh, Guido Van Rossum saying, you know what, the scientific community's packaging problems are just too exotic and different. I mean, you're talking about Fortran compilers, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, you guys just need to build your own solution, perhaps, right? So the Python, core Python community went and built its own sort of packaging technologies, not really contemplating the complexity of this stuff over here. And so now we have the challenge where um, you can pip install some things. And some libraries, if you just want to get started with them, you, know, you can pip install TensorFlow, and that works great. The instant you want to also install some other packages that use different versions of NumPy or some like graphics library or some OpenCV thing or some other thing, you now run into dependency hell. Yeah. Because you cannot, you know, OpenCV can't have a different version of libjpeg over here than PyTorch over here. Like they actually, and they all have to use the, if you want to use GPU acceleration, they have to all use the same underlying drivers and same GPU CUDA things. So it's, it gets to be very gnarly and it's a level of technology that both the makers and the users don't really want to think too much about. And that's where you step in and try to solve this. We sub, try to solve it. How much is that? I mean, you said that you don't want to. <laughs> think they don't want to think about it but how much is it a little bit on the developer and providing them tools to to be a little bit more clear of, of that subgraph of dependency that's necessary it is it is getting to a point where we do have to think about look can we pull some of the most popular packages together and get them to work on a coordinated release timeline get them to build against the same test matrix etc cetera, etc cetera, right and there is a little bit of dynamic around this but again it is a volunteer community yeah um you know people working on these different projects have their own timelines and their own things they're trying to meet. So we end up trying to pull these things together. And then it's it's this incredibly, and I would recommend just as a business tip, don't ever go into a business where when your hard work works, you're invisible. And when it breaks because of someone else's problem, you get flag for it. Because that's, that's for our, in our situation, right? When something doesn't Conda install properly, usually it's some upstream issue, but it looks like Conda's broken. It looks like, you know, Anaconda screws something up. When things do work though, it's like, oh yeah, cool, I just worked. Assuming naturally, of course, that's very easy to make that work, mm -hmm. right? So we end up in this kind of um, problematic scenario, but, uh, but it's okay because I think we're still, um, you know, our heart's in the right place. We're trying to move this forward as, as a community sort of affair. I think most of the people in the community also appreciate the work we've done over the years to try to move these things forward in a, in a collaborative fashion, so. One of the subgraphs of dependencies that uh, became super complicated is the move from Python 2 to Python 3. So there's all these ways to mess with these kinds of uh, mm -hmm. ecosystems of packages and so on. So I just want to ask you about that particular one. What do you think about the move from Python 2 to 3? Uh, why did it take so long? What were, from your perspective, just seeing the packages all struggle and the community all struggle through this process. Mm -hmm. What lessons do you take away from it? Why did it take so long? Looking back, some people perhaps underestimated how much adoption Python 2 had. I think uh, uh, some people also underestimated how much, or they overestimated how much value some of the new features in Python 3 really provided like the things they really loved about Python 3 just didn't matter to some of these people on Python 2. Yeah. Because this change was happening as Python, SciPy was starting to take off really like past like a hockey stick of adoption in the early data science era in the early 2010s. 
a lot of people were learning and onboarding in whatever just worked. And the teachers were like, well, yeah, these libraries I need are not supported on Python 3 yet. I'm going to teach you Python 2. It took a lot of advocacy to get people to move over to Python 3. So I think it wasn't any particular single thing, but it was one of those death by you know a dozen cuts, which just really made it hard to move off of Python 2. And also Python 3 itself, as they were kind of breaking things and changing things around and reorganizing the standard library, there's a lot of stuff that was happening there that kept giving people an excuse to say, I'll put off till the next version. Mm-hmm. Two is working fine enough for me right now. So I think that's essentially what happened there. And I will say this though, the strength of the Python data science movement, I think, is what kept Python alive in that transition. Because a lot of languages have died and left, left their user bases behind. If there wasn't the use of Python for data, there's a good chunk of Python users that during that transition would have just left for Go and Rust and stayed. In fact, some people did. They moved to Go and Rust and they just never looked back. The fact that we were able to grow by the, by millions of users, the Python data community, that is what kept the momentum for Python going. And now the usage of Python for data is over 50% um, of the overall Python user base. So I will put, I will make, I'm happy to debate that on stage somewhere of Python with someone if they really want to take issue with that statement. But from my where I sit, I think that's true. The statement there, the idea is that the switch from Python 2 to Python 3 would have probably destroyed Python if it didn't also coincide with Python for whatever reason, just overtaking the data science community, anything that processes data. Yeah. So like the timing was perfect, yep. that this maybe imperfect decision was coupled with the great timing on, on the value of data in, in our world. I would say the troubled execution of a good decision. It was a decision that was necessary. It's possible if we had more resources, we could have done it in a way that was a little bit smoother. But ultimately, you know, the 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 arguments for Python 3, I, I bought them at the time and I buy them now, right? Having great text handling is like a non-negotiable table stakes thing you need to have in a language. So, um, so that's great. Um, but uh, the execution, you know, Python is the, um, it's volunteer driven. It's like the, now the most popular language on the planet, but it's all literally volunteers. So the lack of resources meant that they had to really, they had to do things in a very uh, hamstrung way. And I think to carry the Python momentum and the language through that time, the data movement was a critical part of that. So some of it is carrot and stick. I actually have to uh, shamefully admit that it took me a very long time to switch from Python 2 and Python 3 because I'm a machine learning person. It was just for the longest time, you could just do fine with Python 2. Right. But I think the moment where I switched uh, everybody I worked with and switched myself for small projects and big is when finally, when NumPy announced that they're going to end support uh, <laughs> like in 2020 or something like that. Right. So like when I realized, oh, this isn't going, this is going to end. Right. So that's the stick. That's, that's not stick. a carrot. That's not, so for the longest time it was carrots. It was like, all of these packages were saying, okay, we have Python 3 support now, come mm-hmm. join us. We have Python 2 and Python 3. But when mm-hmm. NumPy, one of the packages I sort of love and depend on, uh, said like, nope, it's over. Uh, that's that's when I uh, decided to switch. I wonder if you think it was possible much earlier for somebody like, uh, like NumPy or some major package to s- step into the cold 
Well, it's, say, uh, like, it's a chicken and egg this. problem too, right? You don't want to cut off a lot of users unless you see the user momentum going too. So the decisions for the scientific community for each of the different projects, you know, there's not a monolith. Some projects are like, we'll only be releasing new features on Python 3. Yeah. And that was more of a, a sticky carrot, right? Yeah. A firm a carrot, carrot, if you will, a firm carrot. Um, <laughs> a stick-shaped yeah. carrot. Yeah. Um, but then for others, yeah, NumPy in particular, because it's at the base of the dependency stack for so many things, um, that was the final stick. That was a stick-shaped stick. People were saying, look, if I have to keep maintaining my releases for Python 2, that's that much less energy that I can put into making things better for the Python 3 folks or in, in my new version, which is of course going to be Python 3. So people were also getting kind of pulled by this tension. So the overall community sort of had a lot of input into when the NumPy core folks decided that they would end of life on Python 2. So obviously this was a Lex Friedman interview. I seem to dip a lot from his interviews, um, but I did do another clip from this same episode, which is Cybernetics and the End of Software back in January. So check out that episode if you haven't heard it.